KRCL, Salt Lake City. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for plugging into your community tonight with us. And coming up on the show, we're going to go up to the People's House through the lens of the League of Women Voters of Utah, a nonpartisan group that keeps an eye on the People's House, has several different committees that you can get involved in, and then come report out on the show. Coming up, we're going to have from the League, Kathy Beely, Deborah Case, and Norma Wills. Got lots to talk about with them and ways for you to get involved, to lobby your elected representatives, to share a piece of your mind on the issues of the day with them. Stick around for that. Plus, Dr. Mike Jaffe returns with more tips for sugar-free February. Rashawn will join us on Zoom, keeping everybody healthy and uh, going through a bad of COVID, it sounds like. We'll check in with him. So stay tuned. But first, rallies and resources, folks. Let's see, where did I put all my notes? Good thing we got some music in the background to keep you company while I find where I stuck everything. The League is coming up. And tomorrow, the League of Women Voters of Utah, along with 37 individuals in business, they're filing an amicus brief in support of Planned Parenthood Association of Utah in its case to challenge Utah's trigger law banning abortion in the state, and they're going to have a press conference about it. I'm sure we're going to get a sneak peek from our guests later this evening, so stick around for that. Something we'll also be asking them about, a broad coalition of groups and individuals have come together calling for investment in Utah's future, not tax cuts, uh, documenting $5.6 billion in urgent unmet needs, and I'm guessing the League can talk to us a bit about that, but... We'll work on getting those folks onto Utah's show as well. So now's not the time to blink. When the Utah legislature is in session, they've come out of the gate roaring with all sorts of bills. Rather than waiting for the controversial items for the last hours of the session, they're doing it now, folks. So it's time to pay attention, time to call your lawmaker. Tomorrow, I believe Red Acre Center is doing small ag day on the hill 7 o'clock, Cimbria and Sarah Patterson, Red Acre Center, and other folks from the Agrihood will be up there. You can say hi in the rotunda. At 10 a.m., United Way Days on the Hill for the legislative session. You're welcome to join them to talk to your state legislators about why full-day kindergarten is important for families in Utah. Parents, guardians, educators, kids, etc., everyone is welcome. At 1 o'clock online, it's the weekly legislative update on hunger and homelessness from Crossroads Urban Center and the Coalition of Religious Communities. They'll be doing these conversations every Wednesdays at 1 online. I've got a link for you so you can tune into that how you want, where you want, about the status of proposals that would reduce hunger and homelessness in Utah. And in fact, tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about that. Aiden Batar from Catholic Community Services of Utah will be here. The share house is something they use to uh, gather donations and help refugees resettling in Utah set up house so there'll be a way for you to help there. Also, Felicia Maxfield Barrett from Utah Citizens for Citizen Diplomacy um, will be here as well to talk about a conference they have coming up on ways to get involved with folks resettling here and helping them adjust. And then Ty Bellamy of Black Lives for Humanity Movement will join us tomorrow night with Nick Burns and me. So tune in for the show. But now let's get started. We we wanted to talk um, Slam Dance. We want to talk Sundance. And I have a special guest with me that I met 
earlier in the week for slam dance just yesterday it feels like a lot longer though ian zabarti is here hi ian how are you i'm well thank you for asking i don't think it's as it been just over 24 hours since i saw you we did a panel discussion at treasure mountain inn at the top of park uh, main street in park city and then downwind the documentary um about testing the nevada nuclear test site and how it's affected everyone globally but specifically down in that part of our our state and our country and i wanted to play a clip of you from downwind this new documentary and then we can talk about it on the other side okay okay here we go my name is ian zabarti i'm principal man of the western bands of the shoshone nation of indians i'm also secretary of the native community action council party was standing in the atomic safety licensing board of the proposed Yucca Mountain High Level Nuclear Waste Repository, docket 63-001. My family personally, um, my grandfather, my uncle, uh, other first cousins have died of cancer and today are still dying of various forms of cancer and, and other illnesses known to be plausible from exposure to radiation. My grandfather, uh, he had an immune deficiency and his skin became hard and fell off. That is a type of illness that is potentially related to exposure to radiation. And ultimately he died from a heart attack a month after his skin fell off, but that produced stress on his body, which I believe uh, led to his heart attack. A lot of our activities were outside and uh, my uncles and aunts and uh, other family members played in the fallout. I was lucky, lucky enough not to be exposed as far as I am aware. Ian Zabarti in the new Slamdance premiere documentary, Downwind. Thanks for coming down. You have been doing some direct action while you've been in town. Uh, we've got your banners. You were going around town over the weekend and then up in Park City. What was the response at the premiere last night at 530 of Downwind at Slamdance? Well, the film Downwind is a powerful um, historical account of what happened from the weapons testing at the Nevada National Security Site over a 45-year period. And the folks last night were uh, again re-educated, made aware, and became uh, an understanding what has happened and how broad the effects are. And uh, I think that's the importance of the film. You don't know what's killing you. You don't know where you're, you know, why you're suffering injuries. And if you look at this film, it creates the awareness that could give you some insight into um, uh, the the possibility that you are exposed to radiation because all radiation exposure is cumulative. And uh, this, you know, may be the original exposure or it may be something after you've had other exposures, but all exposure is cumulative and women and females are more vulnerable to exposures. Oh yeah. So that's what you found among your own family, among your people. And the, the film weaves together various stories, yours and your people. You call it the most bombed nation on earth, the Western Band of the Shoshone Nation. Yes, and uh, there are 
uh, near downwinders and far downwinders. The uh, fallout, the particles that fell out of the dust cloud after the uh, detonations, uh, in some cases went around the world. There are different types of exposure pathways. So some places with the highest exposure, Kansas, North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota was used uh, in the National Cancer Institute's 1997 um, uh, radioactive iodine-131 report as a model called the milk pathway model because the cows in North Dakota ate the grass after it rained over a fallout cloud and that was used uh, to produce milk with those cows and that milk was shipped all around to various cities. So that is one uh, example of an exposure pathway. It's called the milk exposure pathway and it's the 1997 uh, radioactive iodine uh, fallout from U.S. nuclear weapons testing. And yet the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act draws very limited geographic boundaries. It's up for expansion. It's up for extension. It's talked about in the movie with Mary Dixon, a Utah activist and playwright, who's also part of pushing to designate January 27th as a National Day of Remembrance for Americans who during the Cold War worked and lived downwind from nuclear, nuclear testing sites and adversely affected by the radiation exposure and something that um, was interesting in the film that you pointed out is some of the names of these tests, that the damage to your people in particular is cultural as well as physical and genetic. Yeah, there were 20 tests uh, at the Nevada National Security Site, formerly the Nevada Test Site, which uh, were named after Native American tribes. And uh, within the... Um, Atomic Energy Commission and the Department of Energy at the time that they were naming these tests, they among themselves decided that these were not offensive, but they show no uh, respect or dignity for our people and actually um, maybe in some way a um, overshadowing uh, what we were to uh, experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's also important to point out that in other um, agencies such as the um, military, uh, all of the helicopters are named after the U.S. wars against Native Americans. So I think it's broadly what we would consider some form of systemic racism. So we have this 45 plus years of nuclear testing and we can also see the cultural attitudes change like you're talking about with your people, but also what the American people are willing to stand in on this topic and here we are with the war in ukraine vladimir putin of russia saying nuclear is not off the table is it more important than ever for a film like downwind yes again it comes down to the awareness uh we're learning things about nuclear reactors such as chernobyl and when you target a nuclear reactor in war with conventional weapons it's still as big a threat as a nuclear weapon mm -hmm. seeing that play out in ukraine yeah, exactly. That's what we're seeing happen there. But we have the same uh, potential risk for catastrophe here with our reactors. And uh, we need to do uh, better. Mm -hmm. We need to uh, be aware and understand that uh, we're all vulnerable. And that's why, you know, even though I'm indigenous and I work on nuclear issues uh, uh, specifically for my people, the benefit is to all people because uh, uh, we all need to 
to be protected. Females uh, more so, they are more vulnerable and at greater risk and harm uh, than males. But I, I don't think it really matters. Uh, we all need to be protected and um, uh, we need to work on it. So Ian, if folks wanna get in touch with you on this issue, is there a way for folks to catch up with you or find you online? Yeah, my website is nativecommunityactioncouncil.org and uh, some basic information there that we'll uh, continue to update. Uh, right now we're involved in trying to push for, uh, as you mentioned, expansion of the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act of 1990 as amended in 2000 and it's been uh, set to sunset next year in 2024. But we need reauthorization. We need um, uh, more funding to be in, in the Compensation Act because the effects of radiation exposure are what I call cascading health effects. They go on to your children and their children and their children's children. So we really need to uh, uh, understand, and this film is a, is, is a good historical account. We need to understand and begin to share the stories. When you watch this film, you'll see that there are other Americans you didn't know or would even think had exposures. And the problem is we don't study this. We don't learn this. The government isn't providing the information. We have to go out and find our own information and find ways to communicate that without having millions and millions of dollars to try to protect. You know, uh, you hear a lot about uh, curing cancer. We're on the prevention side of cancer. We're on the pre prevention side of nuclear war. We're on the prevention side of destroying our planet. I'm fighting for peace. And uh, a lot of people are wrongheaded when they think that uh, I'm foolish. No, they're foolish for even thinking that preparing to destroy and incinerate our planet is a good course. Ian, we'll put links in the show notes so folks can connect to you and our mics are here for you anytime, especially when you're in Salt Lake. Please do stop by and uh, let's stay in touch, okay? Thank you. Ian Zabarti and the film is downwind. Did you hear, I know that there were some fish hooks in the water. I don't know if distribution has been struck yet. Do you have any insider scoop on that? Not at this time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian. When we come back, we'll be talking about the legislative session, but I wanted to share some uh, audio from the red carpet about uh, the film Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields, Autumn Thatcher, our red carpet correspondent spoke with Brooke, and then the director, Lana Wilson. Here we go. What do you question. hope sharing your story will accomplish? There we go. Okay, there we go. Um, I really hope that, that people, women in particular, see this film and find similarities in their own lives, because I think people will come away with this, realizing that all of our stories are really quite similar. They just look different. They look different from the outside. And I think that I hope people come away with the belief that they can persevere and that longevity really has to do with showing up and really working hard. The last time you were here was three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. From Miss Americana, yep. which was amazing. Thanks so um, much. So tell me, you know, after coming off of that and, and taking this project, yeah. what, what motivated that? Yeah, well, it was really that uh, I met Brooke in person. 
and thought she was incredibly smart and deep and fearless, really game to go somewhere with this documentary, to go on a real journey. But what really made me think, okay, I've got to do this, is that when I first met her, she handed me a hard drive of an archive her mother had collected over decades. No one had ever seen it before. And so I took this hard drive home and started looking at files, and I saw Brooke at age 12 on talk shows being grilled by these talk show hosts saying, you're so beautiful, you're so sexy, you're so mature, but then also saying at the same time, this is child pornography, you've gone too far. And I could see this little 12-year-old girl caught in this impossible double bind, and I thought, I think people still experience that now. I don't think we've really changed in these impossible expectations that we put on young girls and teenage girls. So seeing that material made me think this is really resonant today. Uh, now's a great time to dive into it. And it's also this moment in her life where she's entering a new phase, so it's a kind of great moment for her to look backwards and reflect on all of these things and process them in a new way. And what was that like um, going through the footage and seeing that and then having that experience of feeling like, oh, this it feels like not much has changed, like it's yeah. relatable. I mean, yeah. when you're taking on, when you're telling her story through that lens, what hopes do you have for, you know, is, do we have any hope for change? Yeah, there must be hope. I do think there actually is hope in that you can own your image in a different way now with social media and I'm excited to see so many different representations of femininity and sexuality and gender on social media but I think that's a kind of microscopic sliver of what we largely see because most people you know images affect all of us or how old we are and you mostly imitate what you see and I think a lot of the time when you post on social media you're trying to feel good about yourself in the framework you've been given so I think there is a lot of possibility for change I don't know what the answer is but there has to be hope, and I hope this movie provokes conversations around all of that. And that is the film director, Lana Wilson, Pretty Baby, the Brooke Shields documentary at Sundance. It's a Hulu doc, so coming soon. And, of course, you also heard from Ian Zabarti, and I have a clip for you now from Lisa Cortez, a filmmaker, the filmmaker behind Little Richard, I Am Everything. Did a great Q&A after the screening down here at the Megaplex over the weekend, and it was a great question from the audience. So my question to you as a director, when you make something like this, what is your main objective? And I also wanna know, what does Little Richard mean to you? Incredible question, thank you so much. Um, so when this opportunity came to tell Richard's story, it was really exciting because no one had done it before. So as a filmmaker, I wasn't looking over my shoulder going, well, they did it this way and that way. So there was this big open road. And as Nanev says, that's also really scary because you want to get it right. And so we landed at a place of let Richard tell his story. But to do that, we had to go and just cast the net out for archival materials to make certain that we could hear his voice through the years to tell the story. Um, I think my intention for all the films that I work on, whether it was a film like Precious that I brought to the festival many years ago, or a film I did with Liz Garbus called All in the Fight for Democracy with Stacey Abrams, is uh, to inspire people, and especially people who look like me, who've been told no many times, who uh, 
have been told you can't draw outside the box and to and ultimately for all of us to feel that little bit of DNA of Richards that I think is in, has been sprinkled through our cosmic dust on everybody here. Um, so that's kind of the, the underlying intention. What he means to me is, is kind of the things that he talked about, being an originator, an innovator, uh, an architect, and uh, someone who gave great infrastructure to a uniquely American sound that has affected uh, the world. And that Little Richard documentary has been snapped up by an outfit called Magnolia, and it's going to go into wide release in April. Rashawn Leak is joined by Zoom. How you feeling, my friend? I got the chills, Laura. Oh. And, not the, and not the good chills. Not the Little Richard you know, chills. They, yeah, but they, they multiply in, but not in a good way. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us. I've got a Little Richard song here, but I, I wanted you to weigh in on the legislature with us, too. So hold tight, okay? Will do. And if you have not ever heard the true story, the real story, the real lyrics behind Tutti Fruity, well, oh once you see the doc, this song will sound different to you, but I still love it. <sighs> Little Richard on KRCL. <laughs> Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. Welcome back to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones and Rashawn Leak of Roundtable Tuesday joining us via the magic of Zoom. Thanks so much, Rashawn, for zooming on in. We still have Sugar-Free February Challenge coming up next. But right now, yes, going to the people's house. Have you been uh, watching the legislature, Rashawn? I, I, I got it pulled up, Laura, and I'm... I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I feel like this is like a broken wheel. Like every <laughs> year, I'm just so frustrated. And and now, what, what's the one I'm watching right now? It's the, it's the school vouchers. Oh yeah, that's the one. As you know, it's as a scholarship parent, program, Rashawn. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, we're just trying to give <laughs> teachers a raise, right? That's all. I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, and you know, the Utah voting public has a long history opposing that. Lawmakers mm-hmm. today say, well, that was 15 years ago. We don't really know. All right, put it on the ballot again. Let's see what happens. But anyway, (laughs) we have the League with us and joining us in the studio, Kathy Beely, now president of the League of Women Voters of Utah, I understand. Hi, how are you? Hi, thanks for being here. We've got Deborah Case from the League, co-director of the Legislative Action Corps, which puts together the teams to go and observe and report out, right? Yes, we do. All right. And then joining us as well, uh, a League member who covers natural resources, Norma Wills. Hi, Norma. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So we're going to dig in here, Rashawn. I want to talk about priorities for the league. And Kathy, maybe you can also rehash for us how the league operates first and how it maintains its, do you want to say neutrality? Because you do weigh in on issues. Well, we are, we are, non-par- we are fiercely nonpartisan. So we weigh in on issues that we have taken positions on after a uh, long study. Yeah. <laughs> so we study, come to consensus, have positions, and then we can lobby on those positions. Deborah's going to talk a little bit about our priorities this right. year. Legislative Action Corps is organizing all of those. What does the Corps do? 
Well, just to go back with the with the League of Women's Voters, we've been around for 103 years. So when we say we're nonpartisan, we really are nonpartisan. We have our positions that we stick to. They are tried and true. So whatever anybody else thinks, we're, this this is we just. We just use that as our guide yeah. of how we are going to stand on something. So that's how we remain nonpartisan on that. And with um, the Legislative Action Corps, what we do is we have a group of mostly women, um, but we also take um, men as well. And uh, we observed uh, different topics. And then we all report on them so that we all are knowledgeable on them. And when we find something that we either uh, we, we either agree, we 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 disagree or we watch it these three different these different aspects and um, when we find that something needs to have action like they're going to vote on it we do that and we contact all of our members across the state and ask them to do um, something such as calling as easy as sometimes calling your legislator yeah reaching out and letting them know so what are the priorities for the league of women voters of utah and its chapters this year so the action items that we've got we've got five major ones that we are using as our our uh, priorities and we also have some that we're monitoring so right now the very first one is going to be the health care access for women and family support and we're going to have a lot of uh, women's issues this year you know that's a big big ticket so we're following those closely that's going to be including the mental health and the reproductive choices so we're also trying to kind of incorporate a little bit not just women's but also like kind of family items because you know what it's not just one thing the, the, the raising a family it's a whole complex thing so it's we're trying to approach it a little holistically that way the connected issues yes yes exactly number two we've got voter rights so we're looking at money and politics ballot box access and voter requirements Number three, we're dealing with employment. We're going for equal pay, parental leave, things like that. They're important near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And equal pay also, once again, like that helps with the family function So and parental leave. So we're kind of looking at those things holistically. And, of course, we've always got natural resources, which Norma's going to address. <laughs> and we've got oh, water, climate, clean energy, and so much going on with water, you know, right now. <laughs> Um, and, of course, our bread and butter, we've got the Equal Rights Amendment. Mm. Now, every year it seems like that one gets, you know, it seems like we can never get that one out of rules. But we are there and ready for it when it does. For Utah so. to ratify the ERA. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, and some of the other ones that we're monitoring right now are going to be like gun safety, women's safety, and children's welfare. So so th those are some of our other ones that we're, we're watching okay. very closely. And those priorities... Um, those are also reflected in our bill tracker. So if you go to our website at lwvutah.org, you'll find that we have a bill tracker there. And that will take all of our different topics, and it's divided into those different ones, which is um, healthcare access for women and family support, voter rights, employment, natural resources, equal rights amendment, gun safety, women's safety, and children's welfare. So all of those, it's divided into those. So you can see right now we have about getting close to 50 different bills wow. that we're, we're monitoring closely. And the bill trackers, folks, are really helpful. So you can look for organizations by issues and then see if they have a bill tracker like the league does. And they've got links so you can uh, go see the text of the language as it gets amended and updated, perhaps enrolled if it's voted on and passed. But also links then in the le.utah.gov to footage, to audio and video, as well as you can watch it happen uh, for stuff that's coming up. So, all right, I, I got to ask you, Kathy, about the press conference that's <laughs> happening on Thursday related to the Planned Parenthood Association of Utah case. And this is tied 
to this HJR2, Joint Resolution Amending Rules of Civil Procedure on Injunctions, um, making this retroactive. And um, I don't even think it's a thinly veiled attempt to put a stop to the Planned Parenthood injunction that kept the trigger ban abortion trigger ban from going into uh, effect. So what's what's the status on HGR2? Does it have a veto-proof majority? I have no idea what the status is. Okay. I mean, we will see because they're getting a lot of pushback on this from the legal community. Law which enforcement, says, prosecutors. Yeah, let us not do that. I mean, talk about retroactivity. That would just mess up the entire system. About injunctions. I, yeah, right? injunctions. You could not go back. You'd have to go way back, mm-hmm. stop all kinds of cases with injunctions. Every case a judge would have to look at and now and reinterpret it through this HJR2, which is about basically the judge has to believe that the case would win on its merits. Mm-hmm. It's a broad interpretation. Well, and it's a very subjective. Yes. Me- uh, Rashawn, I heard you. Was that a giggle in the background? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I was just thinking how subjective that is. So basically, just it's all indicative of who's the judge that's ruling on this. Yeah, it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Have they explained oh, yeah. why it's necessary? I mean, it's you not know, supposedly I, about this Planned Parenthood. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to get into that one. Let's go <laughs> back to the Planned Parenthood law lawsuit, which is an injunction right now, Mm -hmm. Um, we have filed or are about to file an amicus brief in their lawsuit, um, trying to get the legislature to realize that the trigger ban is a bad idea. Let me also go back to the ERA. Friday happens to be the third anniversary of the ERA being... um, ratified by all of 30, what, 38 states? They finally had enough, but there was a sunset on it. One of the only, if not, is it the only one that they ever put it down? No, there is a, there's precedent to, to uh, change that, but they haven't. We're just trying to get them to realize that they should. At any rate, our, um, our press conference is all about our amicus brief. We are joined by another group of religious communities which have filed a separate amicus brief. So we are trying to make our voices heard. Um, the League has long had a position on women's health care and freedom of choice. We say we believe that public policy must affirm the constitutional right of privacy of individuals to make reproductive choices. And we reaffirmed that last year right after Dobbs. <laughs> so again, this is Thursday up at the Capitol. Where are you going to be? South Steps? Yes. At noon on Thursday. We'll put it in rallies and resources. And I could just keep talking about that. But what I would like to get to is voting bills that uh, the league is watching. For instance, HB 38 initiative and referendum modifications. And we all know that over the last decade or more, lawmakers have made it harder for the public to put something on the ballot. Let's be clear. Lawmakers do not like the public weighing in on their legislation. We, however, believe that the public has a right to do that. We're just watching that one right now. It has been filed. We're not exactly sure what it means. Obviously, they are going to try to make it more difficult. Even though they have made it extremely difficult, I think it's like 20, you have to go to 26 uh, different uh, Senate districts and have at least 4% of the population sign your initiative ballot. 
uh, registered voters too, I'm guessing. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. it's very difficult. We've still done it, but then they have overturned it. You might recall Proposition Prop Four. four. Mm-hmm. Rashawn, you remember Prop Four, the one trying to get us an independent redistricting commission in the yes, state of Utah? I do. Okay. Yep. Whew. So, yeah. um, and 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 I believe one of the things that they've made. Uh, the public do now as well as provide an easy way for people to change their signatures on petitions Mm -hmm. um, so that there can be a pressure campaign applied. Again, the word retroactive keeps coming up here (laughs) in my head. Two other voter bills that I want to talk about. Not sure who wants to handle HB 37 voter signature verification amendments sponsored by Representative Steve Ellison to provide guidance on whether a signature on a ballot corresponds to a voter registration And this one by this and one by HB one fifty five independent election audits by Representative Phil Lyman <laughs> are what necessary unnecessary? No, both of them are very unnecessary. First of all, most of the clerks actually cure their ballots before mm-hmm. you they ever get read. Mm-hmm. So we have no problem with that. Um, we Utah is the poster child for one of the best voting systems in the United States. And vote by mail systems. Yes, ma'am. That's right. Great. <laughs> oh, Rashawn, there's another one um, that the league is opposing. HB 171 alternative voting methods modifications from Representative Katie Hall oh. to repeal the municipal alternate voting methods pilot project and make technical and conforming changes. What is it they're trying to repeal here? Well, we're we're not quite sure why she is trying to repeal this because she's not interested in it for her particular city. Ranked choice voting pilot. Ranked choice voting. But why would she want to eliminate that pilot project for the rest of the state? I thought lawmakers believed the best government is the government closest to the people. And Uh. if your city, county, decides to do ranked choice voting, why is any skin up their nose? Momentum, perhaps? I don't know. 21 Uh. cities have actually opted into ranked choice voting, and the public really, really likes it. So rank choice voting where you rank. Okay, if my number one doesn't get it, then my votes go to number two and so on. Mm -hmm. And it can eliminate primaries, which eliminates money, Money. the cost of holding Mm -hmm. elections. So, all right, Norma, we want to get you in here and talk natural resources. I understand you have a couple of bills that you'd like to talk about. And in particular, let's talk about SCR2. So this is the Senate Concurrent Resolution regarding the environmental impact of vehicle idling. I thought we already took care of this. Was it only in the capital city? Is that, <laughs> is that what happens? Well, Did the stickers not work, Laura? <laughs> well, I think this bill is um, an attempt just to raise awareness. Um, all of these uh, uh, actions that they're proposing are voluntary. Um, they're asking people to uh, not idle in especially sensitive areas such as schools, hospitals, airports, and areas of high pollution. Uh, per- perhaps you could think the west side of Salt Lake. Um, it also encourages the placement of signs by businesses, uh, again, to educate the public and promote the Turn Your Key, Be Idle Free campaign. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a feel-good measure, I think, um, but it doesn't carry any um, consequences for noncompliance. So there's no money attached to help people with signage. I take it. I don't <laughs> believe there is. No, but my it, snark level is a bit high tonight. I'm going <laughs> to dial it I back. It. I love it. Dial it back as we talk about radon-related amendments. SB 28. I just, after 30 years, moved and 
I made sure to get a radon test because uh, I don't really understand it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to invest in this to understand what radon might be in my, in my basement. And this is more protection, it looks like. Well, um, perhaps it may have started out that way during uh, the oh. interim uh, uh, discussions, but it's now um, been, uh, it's just that they want um, the state buildings, public buildings to be tested. Okay. Um, but on a voluntary basis for, for now. <laughs> so state lawmakers want to pass SB 28 for radon testing of public state-owned buildings, but... It's vol- uh, who who decides the well, governor? Yeah, no, I think the state agencies that that occupy the buildings, and um, again, they want this to extend to schools, um, but it doesn't really uh, become uh, require a requirement uh, until. Mm. Uh, later this year. Sounds like it should so. be a concurrent resolution. <laughs> possibly, mm-hmm. possibly. HB 220. regulation means no regulation. There you go. HB 220 Emissions Reduction Act in this in-house rules committee. What's this one about? This, to me, is an amazing bill. Um, I, I really <laughs> admire uh, Representative Stoddard for, for bringing this forward. Um, it's a bill that addresses all, it seems like almost all um, uh, sources of emissions uh, in the state. Uh, what's, what intrigued me was that uh, it requires the Inland Port Board Authority to uh, comply with standards that are established by the Air Quality Board. So this would require a study to uh, complete an inventory of all the small particulates nitrous oxides, carbon monoxide, and sulfur dioxide emissions by um, December, uh, the end of December in 2025. So this was was an ask by a lot of people that oppose the Inland Port, um, that they didn't have a baseline for uh, knowing what uh, emissions are there and also having a plan in place to uh, mitigate those missions that would be caused by uh, activity at the port. So this, uh, this bill goes on and on. It uh, establish, would establish a state goal to reduce emissions by 50% by the end of 20, 2030. Uh, that would be compared to 2017 levels. Um, it would appropriate $26 million for a vehicle emissions reduction program by offering incentives to replace older polluting vehicles with newer, cleaner vehicles. And this would be directed toward lower income uh, people uh, specifically. Um, like I say, this is a huge bill. I couldn't, I can't possibly do it justice. Um, it covers many more topics. It's 1,966 lines total. Wow. So if you've ever looked at a legislative bill, you know that that's extremely long. But bill tracker with the League of Women Voters to follow this one. That's right. And so I say it's in the Rules Committee now, so um, it's unclear whether or when it will be assigned to a standing committee. And Rules Committee, you got to get out of rules to get onto the floor to get the debate have, and the readings. Yes, Rashawn. I have a question. So are we just are we just going after vehicle emissions, or are we looking at things like the refinery? Because I know 
uh, on Reddit last night, there were a lot of concerns about what loud sounds and flames coming from the Salt Lake refinery last night. There was something. Was looking, I heard that. It woke me up. Yeah. I thought it was like the aliens landing <laughs> from <laughs> Doctor Who. It sounded like it sounded like the TARDIS in Doctor Who. That is what it sounded mm-hmm. like. That that whirring sound, Great and reference. it went on for like an hour. So at, anyway, uh, as and, and folks, you can check out this bill as. Um, Norman was saying this is a much broader than just that, but the sound pollution is one I know I want to get on too, Rashawn. Two more bills oh, yeah, uh, in the time we have left. Water, SB 34, Water Infrastructure Funding Study. That's going to be heard when and where? Uh, it's going to be heard tomorrow in the uh, State uh, Revenue Tax Committee. Uh, it's at 2 o'clock. Uh, you you can, can listen online. You can listen online. You mm-hmm. can go up to the Capitol if you want to uh, be there in person. Yeah. Um, so this is a bill that uh, could have uh, pretty broad ramifications for, for Utah uh, in how we pay for our water. That's right. Zach Frankel, Utah Rivers Council, has been on the show many times saying we don't pay for it right. We, and it then incentivizes overconsumption. <coughs> it sounds like they might be getting at that then, Norma. It does. And at least they're going to do a study, a comprehensive study, to see what uh, the effects of uh, using property taxes for water infrastructure. And I would hope, uh, compare to what other states are doing and come up with a reasonable uh, solution that works for Utah. I love it. And then turf buyback bills. We've been hearing that more is coming, more incentivizing to rip that strip, rip the entire lawn that you don't use uh, and do something better with it. So this is SB 118 and HB 272. Are they competing bills? Are they going to combine? What do you think, Norma? Um, I, there are several of these types of bills out there, and I think there'll be probably some more. So I imagine that they will be combined or, um, yeah, they'll probably be combined at some point to mm-hmm. come to uh, a reasonable uh, resolution there. I just don't want to see lava rock up and down <laughs> my street. Please don't do that, folks. You're just going to raise the street temperature. There's a way to go about it, and I'm hoping that these bills get at funding the education portion of it mm-hmm. as well as the incentive, the buyback portion. Norma, thank you so much. Those are great bills, and I appreciate the league. We're going to have you on Tuesday nights moving forward to talk about the latest and greatest action, but maybe each of you could give us a tip on why you got involved and how others can too. Norma, I appreciate you. I, I feel like you're our, our, our newbie in the group <laughs> who came to not only, you know, having done all this work, watching what's going on, but report out. Why is it important for you to be engaged in watching the people's business? Well, as Kathy said, that's the, been our mission. Um, I do believe that um, everyone should have a voice um, and that our representatives are there to represent us and um, we need to follow what they're doing so that we can let them know what we think. Good, um, good camaraderie doing it with the league? Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's fun. We have a great group of people and very dedicated. Um, and, yeah, uh, it keeps me off the streets. <laughs> 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 Kathy, what's the invitation? I know you do weekly check-ins up on the Hill, too. We do. And we're lucky to have people like Norma watching our natural resources. Let's just hope that the idling bill has something to do with not idling at the inland port. Mm. Um, 
We are belonging to the League of Women Voters because it gives us a reason to move forward. If you're ever depressed when you watch the legislature, when you see what's coming out of our bills and, and even uh, the nation, go to the League of Women Voters and see that we have been there for 103 years. We do not stop. You do not back down. You don't. All right, Deb, Ledge Action Corps, how can folks get involved? Well, I just wanted to say, first off, it's, it's actually very addictive because you know what? You, you start getting involved in it and you start learning more and you want to do more. And you, you really do. And then you meet all these other women that are that are bright, they're educated. I mean, they're awesome. And you're sharing like all the information, what they know, what you know, and, it, and you get to actually see what you want. You get to make progress with it. Mm -hmm. With us working together and taking action on things, we actually have an effect. And that is so gratifying. So I, I really encourage people to do uh, get involved. And an easy way to do it is start off by going online and going to um, lwvutah.org uh, and check it out. There's a link there if you want to join. Um, there's also a tab for specifically for the Legislative Action Corps. And you can join us there. There's also a calendar. We usually have, have a uh, meeting at the Capitol every Thursday starting at 11:30 you can come in person if you're there and you can do it on Zoom but go to the calendar you'll see our Thursday meeting there you can get access just by simply clicking right there where do you meet in the capitol we room Thursdays. we meet at room 210 at the capitol so in the capitol so in past it's been in other buildings on the capitol campus this is in the it, Dome. It is actually in the Capitol. We do it over like lunchtime so that you can go to your morning session meetings if you want and you can go to the afternoon. And that way you have that lunchtime period to kind of uh, come on in and talk to everybody about what's going on in the different topics. We'll put links in the show notes for all the stuff we've talked about tonight the uh, legislative tracker, all uh, um, the ledge action committee meetings that you can go to on Thursdays and then of course the press conference Kathy Beely yes. one more time who what when where why uh, Thursday at noon south steps of the Capitol we will be there with the religious communities and their amicus brief too thanks so much for coming in we'll see you next Tuesday okay thank all you right, thank all you. right Rashawn when we come back we're gonna get into sugar-free February on KRCL little Wilson Piggott sugar sugar on KRCL Koi Studio is an in-house, sustainable cut-and-sew studio at Clever Octopus that utilizes reclaimed textiles to create one-of-a-kind tote bags, fanny packs, dop kits, dog bandanas, dog toys, and more. Always available at Clever Octopus, 2250 Southwest Temple in Salt Lake, and online at cleveroctopus.org slash coi studio. And this is Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Democracy Now! at 7. Connor in the Late Night Lowdown at 8. Super Sounds with Chovy at 10.30 tonight. And then John Florence with your brand new day at 6 a.m. And if you'd like to listen on demand to the last two weeks of any show, just go to krcl.org and click on Programs. You can sort by date and show. Dr. Mike Jaffe and Rashawn Leak here for round two of Sugar-Free February. And of course, before starting any New exercise diet regimen. Please consult your own healthcare provider to decide what is right for you. Rashawn, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, as I'm sick here, Laura, I'm thinking about the cough medicines and and things like that, and the cough drops I'm taking. I'm like, I wonder if there's sugar in here. What do you think, Doctor Jaffe? 
Uh, absolutely. I would think there's tons of sugar in it. To make the medicine go down. I'm not sure cough syrup <laughs> works at all either. So Mary Poppins is, is out in your book. <laughs> so uh, I did get some a, a call after our, our, our first sugar-free February session. And we just want to make sure that folks know we're trying to have some fun with this and how you need to have a conversation about diet and nutrition in your life. We hope that you do and that sugar-free February might be the start of it. One of the things I'm really fond of, Rashawn and Dr. Jaffe, is eat this, not that. Like finding ways to look at the food I'm eating and be aware of what I'm putting in my mouth. So I'm still enjoying it because everybody's got to eat. And I enjoy eating. So being more mindful of how much sugar I know is in front of me. But I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to, Rashawn, and that is sugar withdrawals. What can we expect, Dr. Jaffe? And remind folks of your credentials one more time for us. Well, I'm a physical medicine rehabilitation physician uh, in Draper uh, at the Smart Clinic and uh, mostly specialize in spine and musculoskeletal health um, and getting people back after injury. And diet nutrition is a part of that. Diet, nutrition, and exercise is mm-hmm. the, the base of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have conversations about nutrition, even though it seems like, you know, why, if you come to me for back pain, when we start making that better, then we transition to how to not get more back pain. Mm-hmm. So then we do talk about diet. Okay. So withdrawals, what can I expect? If I go, uh, Rashawn, cold turkey. Right? Is it like the shakes? Like, what's going on, Mike? You can get withdrawal. Remember, the sugar is going to hit your dopamine receptors in your brain. It's going to make endorphins. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you take in sugar, you're going to need more and more to get the same effect, just like every other drug. Yeah. So as you stop hitting your dopamine, you're going to have some low feelings, some sedation, some tiredness, headaches, potentially. And if you take something out of your diet, you've got to replace it with something that still tastes good, makes you feel full. Absolutely. Um, the, the other thing about what withdrawals you might have, you, you, know, you might be eating sugar when you're tired, when you're sad, Has anxious, he been following depressed. me around, Richard? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, get out of my house, Mike. I'm not head. thinking about either of you. I'm thinking about people <laughs> in general. Yeah. So those <laughs> symptoms you're having, you know, if you, you're not going to have your usual response to it, mm-hmm. which is a sugar, which eventually will lead you to being tired if mm-hmm. you have your sugar. So you're going to get lots of benefits out of it. But short term, you may you may struggle both uh, physically and emotionally. Hmm. But Any it, recommendations for going through that? Yeah, it shouldn't last very long. It should last three to ten days. Okay. Uh, one way to have less of it is... Um, Reduce your sugar now. Mm-hmm. So we're not planning on binging because it's January. Dry January means dessert potential. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm not on dry January. <laughs> okay. Uh, but apparently it's a big thing this yeah. year. Yeah, I've talked to some folks that are cutting back on their alcohol consumption, and there is sugar in alcohol. And how the body converts different things is something I don't understand a lot. So we're going to collect a couple of resources and put them in, in the show notes, folks. Um, but uh, what is what is something, a simple switch out that you have seen work for folks, whether that's your patients or whether that's for your teenagers who may not try it every year, but maybe a day? Well, it, it's, it's being prepared, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you got to have a plan. So if 8 o'clock dinner is dessert and your body just goes into this situation where it gets hungry at 8 o'clock because yeah. that's what it happens. You know, sometimes my solution is I'm going to drink an herbal tea. Mm-hmm. 
Um, sometimes my solution is I'm going to have a piece of fruit. A piece of fruit is has sugar in it, but it's not added sugar. It's okay. It's healthy. Yeah. So you know something that's filling. Yeah. Uh, like a banana mm-hmm. um, works really quite well, and you can make sugar-free desserts. You know you can blend up cashews, bananas, vanilla, um, in and maybe soy milk or something like that in a, in a Cuisinart or a high-speed mm-hmm. blender and make yourself, you know, if you have it, you know, pre-frozen bananas, it can come out nice and thick. It's like a, a sherbet. Like a sherbet. There you go. Rashawn, I know you're talking about this at your house. You got a wife, you got two kids, two boys who are really active. I know about their ha- Halloween candy haul and how fast <laughs> yeah, they, they went through that. Um, I've got a young niece who uh, is starting to become more aware about what she eats and I'm Concerned about talking responsibly with her about things like this. So what is a concern in your household is in trying this? Is it adults only? No, I mean, they uh, they have a pre- pretty much whatever we eat, they eat. So it's good like that. So the really the concern is like, how do we be responsible and mindful? And how do we like replace the bad with the good? Because I think Mike brings up a good point. Like knowing that there's good sugars out there that are not added. It's just, it's just coming up with a game plan. So it's, we're not forcing the kids to go just cold turkey because we're going cold turkey yeah it's it's making sure we we supply them with some good substitutes the bad not good conversation i got a call about that about um talking about food is bad or good is there a way you like to frame it when you're talking to people about this so it's yeah well every food choice has potentially a better or worse option so mm-hmm. is keep trying to find your best food choice mm-hmm. option you know trying to get your vegetables yeah. trying to get your mushrooms mm-hmm. trying to get your nuts or seeds i can't have too many grains. nuts though it's tr- you know the sugar-free february tr- triggers some dominoes for me and my diet so i'm thinking of keeping a food journal mm. so because because like sometimes when i'm in the crave itself I might not be thinking straight. So noting, <laughs> noting, you know, kind of just like having a little notebook and writing down, okay, 1052, I really wanted this. So what did I do? I tried some water. What did that feel yeah. like afterward? It's a fantastic idea. And I've got an idea for you, Laura. Okay, what do you got? See, I got this calendar of February. Oh, you got, you, pre- you So I printed it out. There's the some calendar. for you here. And I've got these gold stars. Gold stars. Oh, man. So if you're, oh, if you're I need needing some instant reward, you can give yourself a, a gold, gold star, star four yeah. times a day. Four times a day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh-huh. and evening snack. Okay. Can you get through each one of those? Because each one of those is worthy of a perfect gold star. Of a perfect gold star. Oh, I love okay. it. Positive reinforcement. Mike. Well, it's I love visualization, it. Rashawn. Absolutely. Right? Okay. We know folks are in different phases of their food journey you know this time of year you see all this stuff you see diet culture you see intuitive eating you see the mediterranean diet you see all the books at costco and sometimes all i do is buy the books but this time i am i've got my calendar i've got my gold stars but what i need now Rashawn, i need a smoothie recipe smoothie oh, recipe yes. breakfast recipe. breakfast so i breakfast. struggle to eat breakfast right great and I don't even know if that's the right word. So the smoothie, again, the concept is we're trying to get a really healthy alternative to breakfast because there's lots of sugars in breakfast cereals. So this, the concept is you want to get your greens. It's like three-quarters greens, two-thirds greens. So it's fistfuls of greens mm-hmm. pushed down, mm-hmm. water up to the height of the greens, mm-hmm. and then get some omega-3 source, mm-hmm. so flaxseed, chia seed, or walnuts, or hemp, and then add some fruit in for flavor. 
And, you know, there's some great flavonoids in fruit. So we got one for like this morning smoothie was um, uh, mixed greens with chard and kale and spinach um, with walnuts, um, some chia seeds, cherries. Frozen cherries? Frozen cherries and a frozen banana. Oh, there you go. Your bananas start going bad. Peel them, wrap them. Put them in the freezer. Throw them in the freezer. Yeah. Even, you don't even have to wrap them. You just have to Throw them seal in the them in something. Seal yeah. them in something so get freezer. So, uh, reusable, right? Okay. And uh, I also add a little uh, bit of vanilla. There you go. Extract. Flavor. Rashawn, you ready for the smoothie brigade? I, You know what? I, I think the smoothie might be my entrance. Like, I, I, I'm i a big smoothie guy. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that might be the way I really conquer conquer this yeah and it's great because you have if you make a big smoothie in the morning you're gonna have extra and it's there for you when you need it and you're gonna feel so good after you drink it instead of a hit of cookie candy that's gonna make you well and reframing for me what constitutes a breakfast whether it's a smoothie or like this morning i ate i ate some leftover chickpea soup Oh, awesome. Had spinach in it. Ooh. You know, there was no added sugar. And I ate that this morning. I haven't been hungry all day. Chickpeas are I good for it. you, right? Excellent. Okay. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Sugar-free challenge. Again, consult your own healthcare provider before starting any uh, diet or exercise regimen. But do this one anyways. Yeah, sugar-free February. We'll be checking <laughs> in on Tuesdays. Uh, thank you for coming in, Dr. Jaffe. And Rashawn, I hope you feel better. I hope we see you in the studio next week, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Radioactive questions, comments, suggestions. You can email radioactive at krcl.org. And coming up on the show tomorrow night, Nick Burns will be co-hosting with me. And in the studio, we'll have Catholic Community Services of Utah's Aiden Batar to talk about ShareHouse and how you can donate items that help refugees resettling in our community. Plus, Felicia Maxfield-Barrett of the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy on a conference that will connect you more with the refugee community and what they need to be successful in their new lives here. Plus, Ty Bellamy of Black Lives for Humanity Movement. Thursday on the show, rising journalists of Salt Lake Community College take over and discuss issues of the day. I hear they went to the rally earlier today that the ACLU had in the fight for trans kids at the Capitol. And then Friday, it is Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Aldine will be here and fresh homegrown music. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for plugging into your community. Have a great night. KRCL, Salt Lake City. And all this time, you thought that rusted out pickup truck was junk. Call KRCL's vehicle donation partner, Cars Inc., to tow your car and donate the proceeds to KRCL. You could pick up a tax deduction while you're at it. Learn more about donating your vehicle to community radio by clicking the support tab at krcl.org.